know, it was a, a quiet Saturday in December and I was planning on doing something else and suddenly to be in here and um, be in crisis management mode and having to deal with um, lots of different issues coming was, was, was interesting. From Positive Momentum, this is Meet the CEO, a show that takes you behind the scenes of the working lives of people who've reached what some might call the pinnacle of the career ladder. I'm Julie Hennigan, a partner at Positive Momentum, and on today's show, we have the pleasure of meeting Jamie Christon, CEO of Chester Zoo. Chester Zoo is the largest zoo in the UK. It is also an animal conservation and education charity, globally across 21 countries, and is an amazing visitor centre, hosting over 2 million visitors a year. Chester Zoo is home to over 20,000 animals with over 500 different animal species and is run by a thousand strong employee team. Jamie graduated with a degree in politics and has spent most of his career in the transport sector. He was a commercial operations director at Manchester Airport Group, moving to be the MD of Exeter Airport and head of group onboard services for Stenaline. Joining Chester Zoo in 2013 as Chief Operating Officer and becoming the CEO in 2021. Jamie is also the Chair of the British and Irish Association of Zoos and Aquariums. Jamie has recently been awarded Deputy Lieutenant of Cheshire, which is further endorsement of Jamie's passion for his work and for the wonderful county of Cheshire. A further endorsement for Chester Zoo and their amazing work for conservation was from the actor Leonardo DiCaprio for helping in resurrecting an almost extinct fish, the golden skiffer fish. Outside of work, Jamie loves traveling, especially to Scotland. He enjoys being out and about in the fresh air and walking his dog, mate. I'll start as I always do on Meet the CEO by asking Jamie, why did you become a CEO? It's probably been a, a career ambition uh, of mine. I um, really looked up and respected my CEOs, managing directors or bosses um, of companies that I've worked for in the past. Um, and so, you know, once you get to the top um, and it's great because you're able at that level to be able to shape um, companies, to be able to mold them in the way you want to do and be able to create and work with some fantastic teams of people. Um, and, you know, I'm at the stage of my life now that I want to leave a, a legacy or a number of legacies for Chester Zoo. And I've got the opportunity to do it whilst I'm chief exec. So uh, why not give it a go? Um, and uh, you know, two years in, I'm really, really enjoying it. Good. And you've been at Chester Zoo, though, for 10 years this year? Yeah. You've joined as yeah. COO as well. So you've had that. Yeah, it's big... been, you know, I've had a number of jobs throughout my career, but this is the longest I've been in any particular role. Um, I'm not thinking of going anywhere, but um, yeah, those 10 years have like flown by really quickly. So many things have changed. So many things have happened in the 10 years I've been here. Um, you know, I want to be here probably in another 10 years because uh, there's a lot of work to do in the future. And that's the very nature of um, preventing extinction and conservation. It's, nothing is short term, it's medium to long term. So to be able to see some of the uh, projects through and be able to see the impact of what we do as an organisation is, is vitally important to me. And because it's a big organisation, sometimes it can be slow, making change, helping develop culture and behaviour change. So, um, you know, uh, being in a role for a period of time is 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 great. And hopefully I'm doing a good job, but the trustees hopefully think so as well. Otherwise, I probably would be here. But um, yeah, it's, um, it's a long-term life for me rather than um, just a job now. Mm, no, I understand that. Yeah. Great job, though. <laughs> 
So, Jim, what would you say, what part of your day is sacrosanct and preserved at all costs? I would probably say uh, evening. Um, I'm very much a morning person. Um, my brain starts going probably about five o'clock in the morning. Um, and I start thinking about what's ahead of me um, during that day, straight into work. But by the time I get to four or five o'clock in the afternoon, my brain is starting to feel a bit mashed. Um, and so getting home, um, my home is my fortress, um, see my dog um, and be able to relax, chill out, think about what's happened in the day, but also um, make sure that I'm ready and prepared for the following day is vitally important. So I try and um, hold that sacrosanct as I possibly can and time on my own, time to reflect and think about things that are going on. Um, I think I've got to the stage of life now where I actually turn down or don't go out uh, every single night because I need that space, I need that time. Um, to relax and to be able to reflect. Um, so yeah, early evenings, you know, the best part of the day for me is getting home, taking dogs straight out for a walk. Um, I live in Chester. Um, I live down by the canal. So, you know, having that ability to be able to get down there really quickly and to be able to um, take in fresh air, see nature, you know, is vitally important to me. That's great. And you'll have been out, I'd imagine, in your day as well around the zoo and Fitting in those that, that nature you yeah, know, as well. Unfortunately, not as often as you mm. as you'd think. Um, my days tend to be just full of meetings, and there are days when um, uh, I don't get out of this building very very much into the zoo. But um, it's great, you know, to be able to get out if you can into 128 acres of parkland and to be able to see our visitors, our members, our staff, and our the animals and plants that we have here. So. Uh, you know, uh, lots of people think it's a, a fantastic environment to be in. It is, and even our head office here, Cedar House, is, uh, is, a, is a beautiful building. So, you know, I, I do regard myself as being very, very lucky. I agree. You are. <laughs> What's been the most challenging event um, situation you've encountered as a CEO? And if you can think about what did you learn from it that we could share? Yeah, it, it wasn't when I was CEO. It was when I was COO. Um, my um, the boss, uh, my boss at the time, um, who was the CEO, was away in Madagascar, so more or less cut off from me in terms of communication. And it was a, a weekend in December 2018 where we had a, a very large fire here at Chester Zoo, Saturday morning, 10 o'clock, or half past 10, I think it was. What led it was a, it was a brand new building, Monsoon Forest, which is at the other side of the zoo to here. Caught light, more or less destroyed the building. Um, we had a number of animals in that building, mainly mammals. The fire raged for two to three hours. Um, and I think at one point we had over 10 fire pumps here and over 100 firefighters. So managing the team here to deal with the actual incident, the staff that were here, on that day, my trustees trying to communicate with my uh, boss, who was in Madagascar, uh, and then the subsequent media attention that the fire had was huge. Um, I had calls from cabinet office in London. I had calls from other zoos around the UK. Um, lots of media attention, which led into the days following that. It's the first time I've ever done a, a very, very large media conference um i think i probably did 20 30 interviews uh on media um that day and the following day it was absolutely exhausting uh, i didn't really switch off for probably three days um and to see the devastation that the fire had caused and uh, luckily we managed to save um all the mammals that were in that particular building we did lose some birds some fish 
Um, but it took two years for that building to be restored. Luckily, the building was insured. It didn't cost the, the charity anything, but it was a really hard moment for those staff involved, for our visitors, um, for me, and for the subsequent two years when we suddenly had a, a large project that we need to take on. So keeping everyone uh, morale high, keeping um, communication going um, was particularly difficult. You know, it was a, a quiet Saturday in December and I was planning on doing something else and suddenly to be in here and um, be in crisis management mode and having to deal with um, lots of different issues coming was was was, uh, was interesting. Um, what did I learn from it? Um, to be strong, to be a leader. They were all, what my team were looking to me to make the decisions um, and uh, they were reliant on me. Um, so, you know, I had to keep my morale, my strength, my um, myself going throughout the day, even though it was particularly exhausting. Um, it meant, you know, in a large organisation, complex organisation like this, so many things could happen in a particular day. So you always have to be ready on guard um, uh, when you're dealing with, um, you know, sometimes up to 15,000, 18,000 people coming into the zoo uh, on a given day. And you've got 27,000 animals here uh, when you've got four or 500 staff working here at any particular point. Um, you know, we, we employ at the moment over a thousand people. So um, it's a big organization and it has a fantastic reputation, but um, as a result of that, then, you know, um, if things do go wrong, then that reputation could be tarnished. So we have to be ready to deal with anything that could um, come, and, uh, uh, come and affect us at any particular point. And I have to say, Jim, I remember that, actually, because, as you know, I live local, and I do remember it being, because um, when we'd heard about it on the news, I remember one of my friends calling me and saying about it, and I'm, I'm going goosey bumps now about it, because it was kind of devastating, and we were thinking, oh, my goodness, you know, how much damage is it, has it done? And I think you're right. I think although, you know, damage was, was, was done, I don't think it was as bad as what it could have been. I think that's what people were really concerned about. So I think... Certainly from the north, you know, the northwest, I think you had everyone's hearts and minds at that time. And it was mid-Decemberish, wasn't it? Well, so yeah, December the 10th. Yeah. 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 My birthday was the 9th. I think that's why I probably <laughs> do remember it so well. So no, anyway, so you, you, you've learned a lot from that. And I think from that, in terms of your your people side, your leadership side, and those thousand people really rallying around and, and supporting it. It's incredible. So if you think about things like that, you think about situations like that, in your career, who do you feel has influenced you the most in terms of you know where you are today in your career and the person that you are today? Yeah, well, I think I've been lucky um, as I've gone through my career that many of my bosses that I've had in the past um, I still keep in contact with. In fact, um, one of them is my deputy chair here at Chester Zoo. Um, and it's probably been one of the people that has, has influenced the way that I lead and the way that I've shaped my career has always been there as a sounding board and always helped and supported the direction that I take. Um, my family as well, my mum, my sister, uh, again, um, have helped, helped me and some of my best friends. Uh, one in particular um, is always on the end of the telephone or we always meet and discuss and any challenges, any um, issues that I may, uh, I, I, I may have. Um, I've also been really lucky over the last few years to have a, um, a performance coach um, who I speak to on a regular basis um, have formal sessions with, but also on WhatsApp or able to call if there's something that I'm struggling to deal with uh, and need some advice on. And uh, he has been um, really influential in making me think about what's important in life. Um, and also, um, I think 
when you uh, have those sorts of people around you, it's really important for those people to know everything about what's going on in your personal life and everything that's in your professional life as well, because the two the two always merge. Um, and those people that I mentioned earlier have always been there and always aware of what I'm doing. Um, I've, I've, I've learned that the best way of approaching problems like that is to, is to be very transparent. Um, you know, everyone makes mistakes from time to time. Everyone um, is human, has a conscious, has a conscious, has a personality, um, can get upset about things, um, takes things to heart. Um, you know, I might be a CEO, but it doesn't mean I'm Superman. Um, and, you know, t- sometimes I need help from other people. So they've all been influential in very different ways. Um, I think probably on the, the other side of it, um, my dad died well, nearly 16 years ago now. And um, I always think about him and what he would say as I'm moving forward in my career, as I'm making change. He was always very proud um, uh, of the fact that I, before he died, I was I was in a, a director in, a, in an airport company and he was very proud um, of that fact. Um, but I always think about him when I'm making decisions and making moves in my career. Mm, lovely. And you talked quite a bit about your team and how um, you know that kind of engagement with them and that leadership is really important. Um, what do you think is the secret to a real effective exec team? I, I think it's um, it's having a CEO who um, cares about the people that he works or she works with. Um, I um, I'm, a, I'm a firm CEO, but I'm always someone who wants to make sure that all my team, wherever possible, are happy in the job that they're doing and they uh, feel content and they're passionate about they want what they want to do. Uh, communicating with your team on a regular basis is extremely important. Um, you know, I've learned um, and I've seen in the past where organisations don't talk to their teams then people start thinking the wrong things or um, put two and two together and get five. So having transparent, regular communication is important. Trying to listen to what people are saying, consult with them wherever possible. Um, but also sometimes there are situations like the one I talked about earlier about fire, where the CEO has all the person in charge, you've just got to make a decision and just get on with it. Um, um, but I think you know having that cohesive team of people that you communicate with, but you also care about uh is is massively important to me i, I personally I, I take things to heart and if i see someone within my team is not happy then i may really strive to do something about it and make change to make them happy in the job that they're doing because i always feel it's it's a reflection on me um i think the other element as well is i've learned as a ceo is that you're always on stage um definitely when you're here in your place of work but also increasingly with social media um and the world's a small place um, when you're outside of work as well. Um, everyone looks up to you. Everyone watches your behaviours, your style. Um, and if you uh, come to work um, not feeling happy or expressing your unhappiness or your anger or frustration or your sadness or whatever that may be, then it does reflect on the rest of your team and they start having those same traits. So um, I've very much learned to... Um, manage my uh, manage the way that I feel. I, you know, I, I read a a number of times a, a book called Chimp Paradox, which um, sets out um, the human chimp and computer side of your brain and how how your um, you can react to certain situations. 
So um, I'm always thinking about what I'm saying, always thinking about the way I look, um, my facial expressions, um, um, how I deal with different people on different uh, in, in a different way. Um, and I need to keep that right and also need to train and coach and mentor my, my exec team to do exactly the same. Um, so yeah, that's in like a bit of a nutshell how um, you know, I managed to keep hopefully that team together. Mm. Excellent. It's a good book actually, but it's one I think that I use it as a reference book because I mm. keep going back and reminding myself. I think the secret with that book is just to keep rereading it because you mm. it, there's a lot to take in. Um and each time you read it, you you pick up something something different and you see things in slightly different perspectives. But it, you know, it's the best the best book about mindset that I've ever come across. Yeah, no, I'd agree actually, Jamie. And I think as well as I've gone through my career over the last 10 years and rereading it, I think you look at things differently as you go through that, you know, your different experiences in your career as well. So mm. no, I'd definitely recommend that book as well. What's the biggest change on the horizon for Chester Zoo? I know there's lots of things going on because I'm an avid follower, but I know there's lots of good changes as well around the there conservation is. side as well. There is. I would say the biggest challenge for me at the moment isn't necessarily the change that are taking place in the next 10 years because we've got all those mapped out more or less. Um, we're celebrating our um, 100th birthday in 2031, which seems like a long way off, but you know it's 2024 in a few months and sure that'll come around pretty soon but um, our strategic development plan and our conservation master plan really set out our ambitions up until that particular time i think where the the challenges and some of the modeling work we're doing at the moment is what what is the role of zoos or what should we be doing as an organization between 2013 and 2015 that sounds a long way away but we're aware that conservation is going to change and become much more critical um, as time moves on, um, despite the good work that we're doing here at Chester, other zoos and aquariums are doing around the world and other conservation NGOs, we're fighting uh, a huge battle. And you know, WWF said in 10 years' time, there'd be a million species will have disappeared off this planet. Um, so it, it really is, you know, what is the, the future, the long-term future for these sorts of organisations? How can... Um, of the hundreds of zoos in the UK work together um, to be stronger, to have more impact than we possibly do at the moment. Um, you know, there's 126 zoos, for example, in Biaza, the British Nile Association Zoos and Aquariums, all trying to do the same thing, but in slightly different ways. So how can we work together in a better way, in a more impactful way to be able to make a change within society? Um, and I think the key for us is, is around our education um objectives you know we're a conservation education charity uh, the easiest thing for us to be able to do to affect behavior change is actually dealing with children um and um you know we're pumping more and more resource money time effort, and effort into developing conservation in the curriculum uh, in the uk and making it really important for children to understand and to learn and to be able to be advocates for in the future so um yeah next 10 years once it's sewn up but it's um it's more or less we've got a plan for it's where are zoos and aquariums after that okay brilliant good and then just kind of concluding a few things and, and just thinking about what you've said jamie if there's there's if there were three quick pieces of advice for anyone aspiring to become a ceo what would those three things be yeah well there's actually there's a post-it note on my computer actually which has got three things on it which uh came from a, another podcast um podcast that um um Jay Humphreys and Damien Hughes did uh, with Lord Dannett. Lord Dannett used to be chief of the general staff um, 
a very senior army officer, and he said three things. He said, be your best, aim high, and courage is key. And I always think about those three things. When I think about be the best, it's not necessarily be the best in the world, but it's be your best every day. Do everything you possibly can every day. Make sure you add value to the organisation that you work for and make sure you strive to do the best things every day. It doesn't mean you have to be number one in the world or you have to be better than someone else next to you. It's be your best. Always aim as high as you possibly can. Uh, and I think that's really important because it says aim. You may not always achieve it, um, um, but trying to aim there is 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 put. The third one is the one that really um, I think about a lot and a lot of the decisions I make around some courage is key. Um, there's so many decisions that you can make as a CEO, which only take you 80% of where you want to be and are easier not to make or easier to make in a, in a more diluted form. Um, and I've fallen victim to that in the past where I said, no, it's probably easy if we just do this rather than go for the whole thing. I always end up kicking myself and thinking we should have done the whole thing at the end. So there are some decisions you have to make as CEO, which may be controversial, may not please everyone in the room, may be something that's totally different to the normal way of working or the normal strategic approach. Um, but if you've got it in your gut that this is the right thing to do, then you should go for it. So they often take courage because um, you may be criticised. It may not be the uh, you know the, the most popular person in in the room or within the organisation as a result of doing it. But that's why you're CEO. Um, so having that courage to be able to make those decisions and follow through on things really important. Mm. So those three things are be your best, aim, aim high. high, and courage. Courage is key. At all time, yeah. courage is key. Yeah. Okay. Good. They're wonderful three pieces of advice. And uh, I think the courage one for me is kind of that's what's resonated the most with me in terms of making those decisions. You're right. You'll often hear people say, oh, it's easier if we just do this. But actually, the more difficult is often the better decision to make. So agree. That's great, Jamie. Thank you so much. Really appreciated the time. And uh, I've loved being here at Chester Zoo, although I've not seen any animals yet. But I'm sure I will. Yes. But um, yeah, no, lovely. Thank you. great and honest conversation with Jamie, who has a role for me, which is my dream role as the CEO of a zoo. But as Jamie explains, it isn't just a job, but it's a way of life, and one where he feels he wants to leave a legacy behind. Jamie's career ambition was always to become a CEO and be able to mould and shape an organisation the way he wants it to be. Having taken inspiration from his previous bosses as to how to make an organisation a great one to work within. Evenings for Jamie are key for him to be able to relax and recharge and focus his mind mentally on the next day and what needs to be done. A significant crisis back in 2018 within the zoo made Jamie sit and think about lots of learnings and how to remain strong and be the leader that you need to be. Being able to maintain morale and strength, even in the darkest of times, this makes you resilient and be ready to deal with anything. Jamie's humbled by how lucky he is to have been surrounded by great bosses who today remain his trusted sounding board and his family and close friends all play a significant part in how he operates as a leader and CEO. Transparency is key for Jamie to lead effectively and he openly encourages this within his leadership team. Three key pieces of advice for anyone aspiring to take on the role of a CEO. Firstly, be your best. Secondly, aim high. And thirdly, courage is key. 
extremely sound advice. Thank you, Jamie. It was great to meet you and be on site at the zoo to record this episode. If you have enjoyed this episode, then please subscribe to our Meet the CEO channel and listen out for further episodes and listening to other great leaders as they share their experiences and top tips. Thanks for listening.